So this morning is Mother's Day, and, and we're actually going to be talking a little bit about mothers this morning. Um, there is a beginning point for generally when moms become moms. They usually get married first. It doesn't always happen that way in our world. Did you know that? It doesn't. I've known more than one or two people who ended up having a child before they got married. That's the world that we live in, and that's just the world that we live in. And I'm just going to tell you, that doesn't change anything about being a great mom, does it? Because it's still a great mom. I also know the reality of life that we live in. Not everyone that's in this building had a great mom. Did you know that? One of the great challenges in preaching on Mother's Day, Father's Day, is the fact that some of us didn't have the greatest experience with our moms. Some of us had tough experiences. Some of us didn't have the greatest experiences with dad. In my family, my personal family, we love my mom, but I want you to know that there are, there are a handful of kids in my family that mom gave them up for adoption for whatever reason. And I don't even know all the reasons. That's not the important thing. But there's a mom that cared enough for the child to give them a different place and place them in our home as adoption. I have a sister, Anne-Marie. She's nine years, ten years younger than me. We adopted her when she was six or seven weeks old. I almost killed her one day because I thought she was a toy doll. I wanted to step on her head. <laughs> I really did that, and my mother yelled at me really quick, and if it hadn't been for that, she wouldn't have made it to live to see two. So thank my mom for that. My brother and his wife adopted three amazing young ladies when they were living in Memphis through the Agape program that's in the Memphis area. Doug Mead, who taught our adult class this morning, worked with Agape in Atlanta for years, but they adopted three wonderful gals there. The uh, middle child graduated from college yesterday from Freed Hardeman University, so my brother got a pay raise. Yes, no more college tuition. I know he's excited about that. I know you're anxiously awaiting that in the Wexler family. Michael, hurry up. Just one more year, right? And then you get a pay raise. Um, but I'm telling you, the world is a little bit different when it comes to kids sometimes. It's a little different. And there's some really neat things and experiences that we've had with moms. And I'm just going to be honest with you. There's some tough times too. Here's an interesting concept I want to share with you. And I want to relate this a little bit to us all this morning. You realize that the church is the bride of Christ. Have you ever heard this expression before? Well, the mother church is, or the mother church has. And we say that kind of in a loving way because a church that's labeled as a mother church has had responsibility or has had some activity in maybe planting another church or being involved with another church. If you go back and look in the New Testament, I don't think there's an exact expression that Jerusalem was called the mother church, but if you want to know the truth about it, Jerusalem was kind of the mother church. Because Jerusalem, the church that was there that began on the day of Pentecost, was responsible for the growth and the outreach of all the other churches around in so many, many ways. And everything through the book of Acts almost focused back to Jerusalem and the activities that were going on there and how it was spreading out. So I want to share something with you this morning as we kind of have a conversation about moms and things that are going on and let you realize that, in a sense, whether you had a phenomenal relationship with mom growing up and even today if she's still alive, or if your relationship wasn't so great, I want to offer you our church. I would like to offer and extend to you an invitation to allow this church family to be your mom. And we're going to talk about that a little bit through this sermon this morning, because I want you to realize that we are family. We are one body. We are the bride of Christ. And I have yet to see a man bear a child. Even though the world we live in allows different people to marry in ways that are different than what it was a few generations ago, 
men generally don't bear too many children. The women do. And in those relationships, it's important for us to realize that we need a mom. So sometimes marriages begin at the wedding. I mean, the, the becoming a mom begins at the wedding. But you know, the reality is that becoming a good mom didn't start when you got married, or even if you ever got married. Becoming a good mom started when you were a kid. That's when it started. Because the reality, most of the good moms that I've ever known in my life, they spent a lot of time playing with dolls. And they, they spent a lot of time playing kitchen, and playing school, and playing the things that in my limited mind and experience, it's what little girls did. And that's where you kind of begin to learn and pattern and model yourself after someone that you've seen. Maybe as a mom, maybe as a grandma, maybe as an aunt, but you begin at a very young age to begin to realize that this is something that you want to do. You want to care for someone else. And that someone else especially being your own child someday. You know, I shared with you last week in the sermon that I'm on the verge, I think, of having a daughter-in-law because I think maybe someday my son might actually ask this gal to marry him. And, and Lynn and I, we've been babysitting a dog for the last week or so. And so we're grand dogs, and it's a 135-pound moose that, you know, that my son owns. And that's all well and good, but I would love to have a grandkid. That's going to come some year, someday. I see pictures of guys that I went to school with and friends of ours from Atlanta, and they have four, five, six, ten, twelve grandkids. And I'm like, hmm. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it, but that's, that's okay. But it happens. So that wedding day comes or that time comes when all of a sudden you look like this. And that's no one that I know, but I found the picture on the internet and it just kind of gave a great description of what kind of changes. And we have one that's kind of in that 28-week period over here. We're close to that, right? 38 weeks. Okay, she's a little beyond that. Um, and getting closer every day. When's the due date? Two weeks. Perfect. Counting the, counting the hours, not the days yet. Yeah. But there's a change that happens. And you know, even in the church, things change. There's a birthing process in the church. Did you know that? I mean, there really is. There's a birthing process. Most people don't wake up one morning and say, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to go join that church. It just doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. There's a process that we go through. There's a, there's a relationship time. There's a dating time, if you will. There's a get-to-know-each-other time, if you will. And as we go through that cycle, all of a sudden we realize that, hey, this is a place that I'd really like to call home. This is a group of people I'd like to be with. And we make that connection. And, and then once we make that connection, we begin to say to some other people that we may know in the community, hey, you know what, I found this place and I kind of like it. And I think you might want to come check it out and come with me to see it. In Luke 2... The book says, she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I know that not all of us live in a home today that we were living in when we first got married and when we had our first kid. I get that. And the reality is, for most young couples, they usually don't start their relationship in the same kind of relationship or in the same kind of environment in which they grew up as a kid, especially here in California. Had an interesting conversation just yesterday morning. John Reed was with us. He's the minister at the Hilltop Church in El Segundo, and he was talking about the city of, Hill, of El Segundo and the fact that they're not building any more houses there at all. They're built out. They can't build anymore. But it's so difficult for young couples to stay in El Segundo because the cost of living in El Segundo is so exorbitantly expensive. And to buy a house that was built in 1920 or 1930 could cost you eight or 900,000 or maybe even a million bucks. Anybody want to buy two? 
Anybody even want to just buy one? It's tough, especially if you're just starting out in life. So we don't all begin at that same place that we just left. We have to kind of start over. And you know, sometimes when people come into a church, they kind of have to start over. Because it wasn't necessarily where you've been. And it takes a little time to reacclimate oneself to a new church. It takes a little bit of time to become acquainted with the people that are there, to get used to what's going on, to listen to the crazy preacher and some of his nutty stories that he shares sometimes, and, and, and to go through the worship service and the songs that we sing. And maybe they're not the same songs that your church used to sing where you were, but there's this transition time and this growth time. It's not always the same but it can be great. And then there's always that reality that sometimes when you're raising a kid, it's a little messy. Have you noticed? There were some worse pictures I could show, but I didn't want to gross you out before lunch. This is not my child, though it could have been. We have a few pictures of our kids at birthdays, especially when they were wearing the cake. They weren't eating any of it, but they were wearing the cake. And you probably have seen some of those too and experienced those with your own children. You know, being in a church is sometimes a little messy. I'm just being very honest with you. It's a little messy sometimes. Sometimes I'll say something that you don't necessarily understand or didn't understand me, or I said it totally inappropriately or incorrectly, and I misrepresented something, and it gets a little bit messy sometimes. Welcome to America. Welcome to the Church of Christ at Mission Viejo. Welcome to my world. That's just people. Chatting with a gentleman just, just a few days ago, we were talking and I shared with him, I said, you know, the one thing that I learned a long, long time ago, and it doesn't make me a pessimist at all, it really gives me a, a really optimistic outlook on life. I realized a long time ago that every single person that I know has the potential, including myself, because I know myself pretty well, everyone that I know has the potential to disappoint me. Every single person, all of you, and that includes me can it sometimes disappoint me? And guess what I learned about that? If I know that the potential is there, it's not so surprising when it does happen. And it certainly isn't going to destroy a relationship just because something has disappointed me. Have any of you ever disappointed yourself? I mean, come on, let's be honest. We all have. I've gained weight. I lost 50 pounds last year. Or was it year before now? Year before last. Well, I don't feel so bad about gaining the weight then. It's been that long. I got down to 198. I got on the scales this morning. 115. Listen to me. I wish it was. I don't want to be that skinny. I'd fall out of my pants. But I, I weighed 215. I gained 17 pounds in the last 18 months. That's, that's less than a pound a month. That's not so bad. I'll catch up with some of you someday. Guys, I'm just saying life is messy. We do things that disappoint ourselves. I'll do things to disappoint you. And all I can offer to you is, it doesn't mean I love you any less. And I pray to God it doesn't mean you don't love me any less. And I especially pray to God that you don't love the church any less. Because I promise you, somewhere, somehow, somebody is going to do something that's going to disappoint you. And it's going to be messy, and it's going to look like you got spaghetti in your hair. I don't want you to get upset about that, because that's just a part of raising kids. That's just part of being a mom. That's just a part of who we are. But the coolest thing is we do get to watch the kids grow up. I suspect many of you who are mothers who've had a child go to school, you remember the first day of school. Maybe it was preschool, maybe it was kindergarten, maybe it was first grade, whatever it was, you remember the first day of school. 
I think, you know, when you, I'm not as old as some of you, but when you get my age and you have to think back to your first day of school, I was in Pontiac, Michigan. We lived on Strathmore. I went to Owen Elementary. I think I remember the very first day of school because I was in kindergarten and I was four years old, which is really young to go to kindergarten. But my mom took me to school, I think. And that was the only day she took me to school. And the second day of school, I got to walk to school. I'm four years old. And she boots me out of the house and says, go to school, follow those kids, and you'll get there just fine. <clears throat> now, she didn't really do it exactly like that. And I know she's going to watch this sermon. And if you are a mother, please forgive me. I've sinned. But I, but, I, but I want you to get the point. We all watch those things. We all experience those things. Guess what? We've watched one another grow. I mean, think about some of the folks... Think about some of the folks that you helped to bring into the church. Maybe you brought to, an, to a relationship with Jesus. Someone that you know and that you love that you helped bring to a decision about accepting Christ. And you watched them grow. And you remember the first day of school, if you will. You remember them growing up. You remember them maturing in their faith. And then they turn 12. And you wonder, why in the world did I ever have a kid? Right? Now the little girl on the left, beautiful little 12-year-old kid. And I know she's 12 because the picture on the internet said she was 12. And, and girls at 12 are amazing. That's a very typical guy at 12. You just wonder. You just wonder. What made us decide that we ever wanted to have a kid? Well, have you ever felt like that with someone at the church? Why in the world did we ever invite this guy to be a part of this church? That's life. And we do crazy things. We do fun stuff. It could be a blast having a birthday party. And we could also have somebody that looks at us like through those squinty little eyes like, I will Welcome to people. Welcome to Mother's Day. Welcome to life in a church. Luke goes on to tell us his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Even with all of his bumps and his, and his bruises and falling down and scraping his knee and, and kind of running away and spending time in the temple when he was 12 years old, Jesus' mother still looked at him and loved him. And she treasured those things in her heart. And I would just about guarantee that every single one of you gals, and even some of you dads who are in this room this morning, who have had a child and who have reared a child to the age of 12, 14, 18, 22, 42, there are things in your heart that you do treasure. There are things that you do treasure. There are remembrances, there are thoughts, there are experiences that you had with your child or your children that are meaningful and mean something to you. And those of us, when we reflect back on our moms, there are times when we remember things very specifically, very clearly, good things. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, not even good things. But we still treasure them in our hearts and we remember them. I'm guessing there are a handful of us guys in the room who said, when I grow up, I'm not going to be like my dad. And as we grew up, our wives reminded us, you're just like your father. Is that not true? And ladies, I'm supposing that there are at least one or two of you in the room who said, I don't want to be like my mother. And the older that you get, the more that you act just like her. That's the reality of life because we have inherited those genes. We've inherited the DNA. She treasured these things in her heart because they were important to her. She treasured them in her heart because she had seen her son grow and mature and become a person that she wanted to remember. And then we get to teach him how to drive. 
and you wonder again, why did I do this? But then they do learn how to drive. And if you've got younger children, you're especially thankful they know how to drive because now they can be the taxi service and you're off the hook, which is kind of cool. But I want you to realize that teaching people how to drive comes with great responsibility. And you know what? That responsibility doesn't go away quickly. It doesn't. Those of us who are in the church, who have teaching responsibilities, who have guidance responsibilities, who have responsibilities to help others grow and nurture and mature in their faith, the responsibility doesn't end just because you sat beside them and they were at the steering wheel. It goes on and on and on. And then, praise God, someday they graduate from high school and they even go off to college. And then, and then, Mom, guess what you're doing? You're bawling like a baby. Because you wonder, oh, my baby's leaving. Oh, he's going to college. Oh, what am I going to do? And then about two weeks later, you're like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and you realize there's freedom. I can do what I want to do. If I want to run through the house naked or in my underwear, I can't and nobody cares. Your kids grow up and they leave. Let me tell you a good statistic and also a very scary statistic. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30, maybe 40% of this church, in two or three, four or five years, you won't be here. Not because you got mad and left, because guess what? People move. Jobs change. Dorothy is leaving. I announced while you were outside playing with the kids that two weeks is all you got left with us. She's leaving us. She's moving back to San Diego. We're going to miss her. And there will be others of you who leave us. Michael Wexler is leaving Wednesday, Thursday, this week. He's heading up to Oregon, Medford, Oregon, if I remember, to play baseball. Well, he's really going to work with a minor league team. I don't know that he's going to get to play, but I would be on the field playing if I were going to be <laughs> interning up there with those guys. You might as well take your ball and glove. I mean, why not? But he's leaving us, and he's going to be gone for the summer. And there's a young lady sitting right over here who's home for a few weeks. But in another few weeks, she may be heading back south of the border, back to Guatemala or wherever else she's going to go, because I just don't think that God's put it on her heart to stay in Orange County for the rest of her life. And she'll probably leave us again. And there's a young lady sitting, where's your daughter? She's here? She's in the back, okay. She's going to UCLA. And that isn't very far, but it's a million miles away if she's been living at home for the last 18 years. And she's going to go to UCLA this fall, and she's going to live on the dorm, in the dormitory. And I, that's all well and good. But that separation of space and that separation of time, hopefully, hopefully, will make the heart grow fonder and allow us all to feel just a little closer. And we'll long for those times when we can get back together, when we, when we will be with one another. Luke reminds us that the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. All of us who have had the pleasure and the, and, and the opportunity to have children in our lives, one of the greatest blessings and one of the greatest prayers that we could ever offer is this, that our children would be filled with wisdom and that the grace of God would be upon them. Because the last thing that we ever want to do is send our kids out into the wild and crazy world without the presence of God and without the wisdom of God with them. One of the greatest challenges in the church, and I don't mean just the Mission Viejo Church, I'm talking about all churches, and I don't care what label you put on the church, one of the greatest challenges in the church is that when we send kids away from home to go to college, they're thrown into a world and they're thrown into an environment where so few people accept and believe the same values that you've ingrained and instilled within your child as they were growing up. And you pray to God on a regular and daily basis that as they go, in, 
go out into this wild and crazy world called college and university life that they're able to maintain their faith. Because the hardcore reality is so many of our kids that leave and go to college end up finding themselves separated from God for a period of time. And it isn't fun for anyone. It isn't fun for them, even though they may think it is. And it isn't fun for mom and dad, because the reality is it rips our heart out. And we wonder, we wonder what did we do that would cause them not to be faithful. And the reality is there's a wild and crazy world out there that is doing everything it can to pull them away from God. And so eventually, that child that we've reared from the time that we were pregnant through first grade, second grade, eighth grade, twelfth grade, college, all of a sudden they come home one day and they say, Mom, Dad, guess what? I found that special person, and I'm going to get married. And they're going to start this whole cycle all over again. And it is a cycle, and it goes on and on and on. And the greatest thing about our kids getting married is they give you grandkids. Yes, Vic? Amen. And if they don't know how to do that, they give you a dog. <laughs> and it is what it is. I've seen more than a few expressions on the internet in different places that says true love really didn't begin and perfect love doesn't come until you have your first grandchild. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I know from talking to all of my friends who have grandchildren, it is a very, very special kind of love that you have when you hold that grandchild for the first time. And the only way, the only way we were ever able to do that is because God blessed us with our own child, whom we have reared in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord, who has found the love of their life, and with whom they've had union and have now brought into this world another child that we, who are grandparents, God willing, will have the opportunity to impact in the name of the Lord. And I've had more than a few conversations with some of you in this room who've had a very, very strong and direct impact in the grandchildren in your life. And you've had the opportunity to help them find the Lord. And you've had the opportunity to help your kids steer them and guide them in a way that they would see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is a blessing. Because not only have you had the opportunity to bless your own children, but now you're into that second generation. And some of us in the room, praise God, are old enough to have even the third generation. And we're helping those great-grandchildren see Jesus and to know Jesus. And so life moves on, and we age, and we grow older, and those grandkids come and stay with us. And sometimes we love seeing them go, but the greatest light in the whole wide world are the taillights when they leave because it gives us a peace of mind in knowing that we have our lives back again. Second Timothy says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. The prayer of all of us who someday, if we have not yet, for all of us who do have grandchildren, is that we can have someone say about us, we impacted our grandkids in the name of Jesus. Our parents do age. They do age. And those of you who are mothers in the room, who are now grandmothers, and who are great-grandmothers, there's a daughter, there's a granddaughter, that is beside you and loving you and taking care of you and they'll be with you until that day when you go home. A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. I cannot even begin to tell you how many things I have seen on the television when someone has done something great, 
or they're, or they're kind of, uh, what, what do they call it when you um, sneak into a photo or a video? What do, you, what do you call it? Photobomb, yeah. And they say, love you, Mom. And you can read their lips because everyone that reads, speaks the English language can read, love you, Mom, and read the lips. Whether you can hear them or not, you know what they said. And that's the joy of the child. And I'm going to share something with you that may be a little tough, but I'm just going to say this anyway. Even those moms who allowed their child to go into another home to be reared by someone else, there's something there that still tugs at their heart so many, many times. So many times. There's still the love that exists. The book of Proverbs that was shared for, read for us earlier, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you, you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So we thank you, all you gals. And I know there are a handful of you in the room who you, you haven't had a child yet, or maybe you never had a child. That doesn't mean you're not a mom at all. That just means you weren't a mom to your own kid. Because I can remember and tell you about a lot of ladies that I've known in the church who never had their own child. There was a wonderful gal that worshipped with us back in Atlanta at the Alpharetta Church of Christ. Jean Taylor was her name. Jean and William met in Arkansas on a Friday night before he was to leave to go into World War II on Monday morning. They met on Friday night. They dated Saturday. They got married on Sunday. He left on Monday. And she waited on him over 18 months to return from the war. He came home, and they lived very happily ever after for the next 60-plus years before Gene died and left William to go back to Arkansas by himself because his wife was buried in Atlanta. She never had a child of her own. But let me tell you something. She was a mom to every kid at that church. And she did stuff for those kids that their mother wished she had never done because she could get away with it because she was just there. And she had nieces and nephews that she loved like her own, and she loved them with all of her heart, and she treated them like their own. She even spanked them, and that was back in the day when you could get away with doing that and not go to jail. She loved them that much that he, she would even do that with them. Guys, I'm telling you, not all of us, not all of us are going to bear a child. And my answer is so. doesn't mean you can't be a mom. This church is your family. This church is your mother. This church is your father through the name of Jesus Christ. And I invite you to allow this church to serve you as family. So many of us that are in this room, we didn't grow up in Orange County. We didn't. As a matter of fact, I'm guessing very few of you who are in this room grew up in Orange County. We all came here from somewhere else. We did. We came here from somewhere else. But we're here now. And because we're here now, I invite you to allow us to serve you. I invite you to allow us to be your family, to be your mother and your father, your brother and your sister, your aunt and your uncle, your cousin, your third cousin, twice removed, because all of us need everyone to make this thing work. I promise you, there'll be times it'll be confusing, and it'll be weird, and we'll look like we got spaghetti in our hair, because guess what? We do. We just do. But even through the spaghetti, there's love. And even through the spaghetti, there's a heart for one another, that means more than anything in all the world. So, my blessings to all of you who are mothers and grandmas 
My blessings to all of you ladies who take care of us and who take care of me. Thank you in advance for two weeks from today when we'll have a potluck and you'll prepare meals that are absolutely out of this world. And I thank you for everything that you do. There are gals that take care of so many things at this church that I couldn't even, and I wouldn't even begin to try to name all the stuff because number one, I don't know all of it, which is probably good that I don't know it all because it gets done when I don't know what's going on. And secondly, it's important that you just keep doing what you do because you know what needs to be done. We love you for who you are. We thank you for who you are and for what you mean to us. Brandon is going to come and lead us in the song, Blessed Assurance. It is truly a blessing to be a part of this church. It's a blessing to celebrate Mother's Day with you. Let me invite you to stand and let's sing this song together as Brandon leads us and we close our service. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation.